0: share the word faithfully. Help me to, to find your find your word, find you in the text, and help me to show people Jesus in, in the word of God this morning. I pray that you be with the folks who are here. Help them to hear from you. Help me to not get in the way of them hearing from you, Lord. And I, I pray that, that um, you would find just a fertile soil in their hearts today as, 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 um, as we spend time just hearing and learning and, and focusing on you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I am going to turn, uh, I think 32. I don't know, I can't count that high. <coughs> that doesn't sound right. Um, I'm going to be turning 40. What? My hearing's going. Oh, wait until I get back from vacation. I'm going to have plastic surgery. I'll look 10 years younger. Um, <laughs> it. <laughs> Um, I, (laughs) all right, so two years ago, my 40th birthday, um, the, the most fun gift I received, uh, how many of y'all were here for that? Uh, I received a, a Star Wars themed party, which was fantastic. Uh, and, and amongst other things in this party, I got a, uh, this was on my cake. It's a Death Star, um, and it's annoying, like you hear that noise, I'm actually going to put it down, um, cause I... I had not thought about how much noise it was going to make. Um, stay there. It, uh, it, uh, that, that is a puzzle, okay? And, and it's got a little metal ball and like a, a crazy collection of railways and magnets. And and the objective is to start at the top and to work all the way through the 115 different little um, challenges, moving this ball around. And if you mess up, you've got to start over. And, and when you get done, um, it ends up in the center. I actually, for a long time, I imagined what it would be like to get to the center. I thought there must be a button in there because it like, lights up and it plays sounds. And, and I, I've gotten up to 50. Like if I get frustrated or stressed, I'll, I'll step away and I'll sit in my, in my chair in my office and I'll spend you know, a few minutes messing with it and then I'll put it up. And um, my son discovered it again last week and started playing with it. And I I sat down and I started trying to solve this puzzle. And about 15 minutes in, after two years, I discovered how to beat it. And I did, and nothing happened. Um, Which, oh my gosh, (laughs) I feel a little cheated. But what what I discovered is how to cheat to beat it. Like I didn't actually go through 115 different little challenges. I realized that there's a way at like number 30 to jump from number 30 to number 115, and and so I beat it, but I didn't beat it. I I skipped over it, and I I you know I was really excited. Nobody else cares. Um, In fact, I went home and I'm like, honey, I finally beat it. I said, well, you cheated you know and, and you know, but I won <laughs> don't you understand it it's that's what matters, especially since I'm smart enough to have gotten around it and and she did not feel the same way i I swear <laughs> no i i but i having solved it um at, at the end of the day, like like cheating to solve it there was there's very little that came with it right i didn't it didn't play music, it didn't light up, I was hoping it you know shoot confetti in the air or something. Something comparable to the accomplishment I, I managed, but like at the, I kind of felt empty. Um, I'm, I'm starting with this, this morning because, um, what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about peace, right? Like that, not peace as in piece of cake and not peace as in, um, world peace, but peace as in this inner peace that, that seems like it's, man, it's so doggone hard to accomplish. You know what I mean? Um, it would be nice if I could get through a week without having to worry about anything. Y'all get what I'm saying? Or stopping and thinking, why did I do this thing? I can't believe I'm so dumb. I should have done this different. Or or whatever. I mean, like this this sort of inner peace that, that, um, that we're promised over and over again. In fact, actually, if you watch commercials, if you pay attention to ads, if you look at how the world around us... Um, Um, tries to sell us things a lot of times peace in our family and peace in our hearts and peace in our lives is is at the center of it anytime you you look at cell phones people get their cell phones and all of a sudden as a family they all talk to each other and they communicate and they're happy any y'all ever find that your cell phone makes you any happier not at all for the most part it just harasses me that's enough out of you For for the most part, it harasses me, and it gives me something to do to keep myself distracted, so I don't get my other stuff done. Or there's Facebook, which makes my life ten times more miserable, or whatever. I mean, like there are all these things, you know. Like, oh, if you buy our brand new car, your family's already in the car. When you that's a whole trend in commercials. Have y'all seen that? Your family's already in the car, and you'll all be closer because you spent eighty thousand dollars on our on our Dodge. You know, in the whole week that it works. <laughs> Um, no, but, but all of this, I mean, happiness and peace is one of those things that is, that is so elusive and it's something we chase after. And spiritually, like my argument is, um, like real peace, real contentment is something that comes out of like knowing Jesus. It comes out of being at peace with God and it is hard to accomplish. Um, our natural bent, we're talking about, um, this is our series, uh, the enemy within, um, and, and like Our flesh wants us to feel peace. There's a part of us that wants us to be at peace, right? There's a part of us that wants us to be comfortable all the time, that wants us to be happy all the time and content all the time. And that's that part of us that is constantly looking for the shortcut. You know what I'm saying? There's surely a way around having to do all of this inner searching and figuring stuff out and... You know, cleaning up my spiritual life. There's some way to jump over all of this. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a way to get there. And and the problem is that it's um, not real. Uh, my sermon title was a joke just for Michael. <laughs> really Thank you for... <laughs> Peace in our time. Anybody knows, know who says, said it other than you? Oh. It was not Churchill. Actually, (laughs) no, it was, uh, it was Chamberlain, Neville Chamberlain. And he said it after he in like, he, he sat down and he had peace negotiations with Hitler and he came back to England with a peace treaty that was worth slightly less than the paper it was written on. Because I think like the day after he said, you know, we have achieved peace in our time. Hitler invaded Czechoslovakia. Like, (laughs) oh, wait, it didn't work. Um, the point being, like, peace that we achieve that is not real peace, that doesn't involve conquering these broken parts of ourselves and, like, becoming right between us and Jesus, like, that kind of peace, um, you know, the, this, this sort of false sense of peace, it's always fleeting. There will always be somebody running over the checks. There will always be somebody, you know, something out there that you don't have yet, and if you could just get it, it would be okay. Someone in your life who is messing with you, some bad memory that's poking at you in the background. You know the one I'm talking about, like you lay in bed at night and you close your eyes and it's right there? Like, um, And so we're going to be talking about peace and achieving peace. I'm going to tell you exactly how to achieve inner peace, and we'll be done and you'll all be happy got it, and I'll go on vacation. <laughs> All complaints about the quality of this sermon are to be directed to Rebecca <laughs> or Terry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so the series so far, we've talked about the flesh and how it um, pulls us into sin, how it, how it tricks us. Like, like we've, we've talked about the flesh basically, it's almost like a bullfighter, right? You, know, you go charging at the cape and the last second it pulls out of the way and, and it doesn't work out. Um, and, and this is no different. Uh, we're going to talk about, about how this relates to peace. Um, the flesh and the Holy spirit, the flesh is this part of us that is the spiritually dead part, right? Like if you are a follower of Jesus, you become a person who is like half alive, half dead, right? There's this part of you that's alive in Christ and there's a part of you that's still like tied to sin and is still struggling with sin. That's the part of you that says, um when you're in the middle of an argument i do this or i haven't done this in years i've gotten much better but i'll be in an argument with my spouse and i will start saying things and in my head i will say it's time to shut up eric it is time to stop talking why are you still talking eric shut your mouth eric eat something so you stop talking eric please stop eric and what am i doing And I'm actually this, too. It's the digging, right? Like, uh, and it just gets worse and worse. And I have gotten better. I'm not that guy as badly anymore. Um, But the flesh is the part of you that says, it'll be okay. Or that says, you know what? It's just looking once. It's just taking this little bit. It's just gossiping a little bit. It's just, and it like figures out in our head why it's all okay. Um, Okay. The reality is that real peace between us and God. Oh my gosh, it's so worth it, but it's hard. Got it? Like it's a little like my puzzle, um, not because it's tricky and you got to get the hang of it, but because it's just not easy. Um, it involves real work. It involves real digging, real searching, real, real, um, like real inner journey. Um, I probably am going to tell some uncomfortable stories today, and so like. I'm not the guy I used to be. But be aware, like, like the times that I've achieved peace, like where I feel at peace between me and God, they're not easy to get there. Like, it is real work, right? Um, we're going to start off <clears throat> with the flesh and how we convince ourselves, right? Um, love this line from Jesus. It's uh, John 14. Uh, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. By the way, so Jesus is talking about a specific kind of peace that comes through him, right? Um, I do not give you as the world gives you. Or I, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now there's a tricky little thing there if you read it right. The peace the world gives us is fake. Got it? And it is instant, and it is easy, right? It's a little like the drive-through at McDonald's. Man, it doesn't take much work, but what you get is what about the amount of work you put in to get it, right? You know, it, it's worth all the effort. Um, it, it might taste good now, but in the long run, it just hardens your heart or your arteries. You know. Whatever. Um, and so we might be troubled in the moment. We might be afraid in the moment. We might struggle in the moment. But proper peace that comes from the Holy Spirit, that comes from God, like taking up residence in our lives, um, it is so worth it. All right. So the flesh can convince us um, that we're experiencing this peace, but it's a counterfeit. It's like the Neville Chamberlain Hitler. I'm making sure I work through my points here so I don't miss something important. Um, and our world – so, like, there are lots of ways this works, by the way um, – Anybody ever see something they wanted really badly and it becomes this obsession for you? You know, the new toy, the new car, the new outfit, or if I could just lose 30 pounds, or if I could just, you know, move to Florida, my life would be better. Um, and at the end of the day, those are fleeting things. I, I always tell folks, look, you could move to Florida and the problem is you're going to take you with you, right? Like, you know, no matter where you go, there you are. Um, the reality is that if you are not happy now, you will not be happy in Florida. You, you won't be happy anywhere. Like, you, you have to make peace. Um, if you are unhappy uh, now, five drinks ain't going to make you happy. It's going to make you numb, right? If you are unhappy now, you know, looking at dirty pictures on the Internet might make you feel okay for an hour or two, but, like, it's going to go away, and you're going to be ashamed, and it's going to make it worse in the long run. Um, you might be unhappy now, but if you buy a new car, you'll be unhappy when you get tired of it, and you'll owe a gajillion dollars, I don't know. Um, there, there is more to contentment, more to peace, than just having or achieving or getting or seeing or experiencing or whatever. Um, oh my gosh, did I jump ahead? I did, but my slides aren't working. Uh, I have to reboot my app here, so i got to talk off the screen for a second, sorry. Um, any piece that like, all right, so for starters, how can you tell when the peace you are achieving in your life, in your heart is fake? Um, for starters, any piece that does not, does not abhor the idea of sinning, um, is a false piece like you cannot achieve peace between you and God. If you do not hate sin, I mean, it just is what it is. Um, if I can steal from my neighbor and feel okay with it, guess what? It's not real. Um, if I, I, I've known folks who will, will say, oh, well, you know, I, you see this in, in uh, rehab programs a lot. I've worked in a couple of rehab programs where guys will um, feel peace after confessing all of these things, and then they go back and do it again. You know, they, the one program I worked in, we, you never let clients tell their families how they wronged them. Because they would just dump out all of this awful stuff, and they'd feel better for a little while, but their family feels like garbage. And then, feeling better, they would just go back to what they were doing before, and you know, it became a cycle. Um, the the like like really hating sin is hard to achieve. Um, the passages I got up here, Isaiah 53. Uh, everybody knows this one, right? But he was pierced for our transgressions; he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now watch this: um, You and I can only be forgiven by God because Jesus was punished in our place, right? Punishment has to go somewhere. And so Jesus Christ, having lived this perfect life, um, having been obedient to God perfectly, was crushed for you. And so when God looked down on Jesus on the cross, he saw your like sin. And when he looks at you as a follower of Jesus, he sees Jesus' righteousness. Um, It's called imputation, is the fancy theological word. Like, um, you receive his goodness. And so, like, we understand Jesus was pierced for us. Now, and I will pour out, this is from Zechariah, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. So God is talking about um, drawing his people back, and he starts out by pouring out his grace and his spirit into these people, um, and they will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one who mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one who grieves for a firstborn son. Watch this. What he's saying is, we will look upon Christ, we will realize every ounce of that was for me we realized the 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 crown of thorns they put on his head and pounded it on there with a big stick so that like the thorns would gouge in and it would be stuck that was that was because i like yelling at my wife cuz it makes me feel good sometimes right that's because people like looking at you know, porn. That's because people like, you know, being selfish. That's because we like pushing God to the side. Like, that's because we, I mean, literally all of that piercing, all of that brokenness, all of that wounding that Christ received, like, received was, like, so we could be forgiven. And, like, it, it's funny because as attractive as sin looks in the moment, and you know what I'm talking about, right? Because I'm naming sort of big, ugly ones, but, like, we start talking about gossip. Like, gossip doesn't hurt anyone, right? Um, me just telling you what that guy did so that you can know. I had somebody tell me this week, um, oh, well, it's important that I gossip about this person so everybody knows to watch out for them. <laughs> I'll make it okay. Um, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, every time, every time, even when I, you know, when, I, when I just forget Jesus for a while and I say, well, I'm going to do my own thing, um, even like sins of omission, um, like these things are things that Christ was pierced for, and if I can stop and look, suddenly it's really hard to make that all right, isn't it? I mean, if you really think about it, it is hard to say, yeah, you know, I I did only steal a couple bucks, but, you know, it was totally worth it for you to get that nail. <laughs> it's not. Um, and the reality is that any piece that lies to us and says, this sin is okay, um, you know, because it's not that big a deal, you're just forgiven anyway. It's fake. Um, proper peace between us and God is deep, and it is hard to get there. Um, and there's a reality to it. Do we ever reach a point where we sin no more? Nope. Um, and we will forever be a struggle there. But it will drive you forward. I have a, oh my gosh, I'm getting old. Some of y'all can relate to this. And I, I started this thing, it's called an IT band. Do you know what that is? like this big muscle that runs from your lower back around your hip and into your knee. And my IT band is getting, uh, like, tight. And so every morning I get up, and my hip and my knee hurt, right? Which is a bad sign. My hip should not be (laughs) failing at this stage of my life. And all I have to do to make it not hurt is about 15 minutes of yoga twice a day. But, man, I hate yoga. I hate stretching. I hate... (laughs) And and there's this balance where it's like, man, my hip hurts really bad today. I guess I'll stretch. And so like I stretched for maybe half an hour the other day, and it's actually been fine for a couple of days. It's starting to ache again, but I haven't stretched since. You know why? Because the amount of pain I'm feeling is not <laughs> enough to drive me to act. Right? Like the huge advantage that comes with feeling pain and feeling guilt and feeling remorse and owning up to the reality of sin is that it drives us to repentance. Um, it drives us to 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 becoming right before God. Like, but, but I mean there's a thing there. We have to understand. Our sin hurts God. Our sin was carried by Christ. Our sin hurts the people around us. Like, It is a reality. Sin is an awful, horrible, disgusting thing. Um, but it's easy to make it okay, isn't it? Or to make it the other person's fault. I had to do this because. Another way the flesh tricks us. Uh, is we logic our way through it. We make it okay in our own heads. Um, Let the wicked forsake their ways with the unrighteousness of their thoughts. uh, Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. That's in Isaiah. Um, The idea behind this is um, like, we can think our way into sin being all right. You know what I mean? Uh, One of the popular uh, uh, examples of this is the uh, as pastors like you, you'll encounter sometimes where a pastor will develop like a relationship and have an affair and it'll be ongoing and you go and talk to talk to him like, you know, you, you, this is sort of inside baseball for like when a pastor gets confronted by a denomination. Um, and I only know about this because years and years ago I worked in a denomination and um, they would say things like, but I work so hard for God and this makes me happy. Doesn't God want me to be happy? See the trick? But but in reality, God ain't making you happy at that point. It's your flesh that's making you happy. You're you're lying. Um, there are lots of ways we do this. We we logic our way around the horribleness of sin by justifying it. It's okay because that guy deserves it. We it's okay because it's just once in a while. It's okay because, or we we just pretend it's not a big deal and we ignore it. You know, or actually the hip thing for the longest time, my hip bothered me. And I just pretended it didn't because it was a lot easier to pretend it didn't than to like try and figure out why my hip hurt, right? I mean, i, I that's why men die earlier. We ignore chest pains. <laughs> it's just indigestion. It's all right. Um, we think our way by things, but you can't logic your way to making sin right. When I was in college, I dated a, a girl and another girl. This is like 25 years ago or 30 years ago or something, so it's not... Don't hear me, you know, but I I was dating this girl and this other girl came and we were having this conversation. She said something really nice to me. So I kissed her and I said to my roommate at the time, well, it's okay because I really don't feel anything for that girl. And he's like, are you kidding me? You can't you can't kiss another girl while you're dating a different girl and make it okay. Like there is no okay about that, right? You can paint it up any way you want. It's not right. Um, It was the last time anything like that ever happened. Um... (laughs) But it's the truth. I mean, like, you can't paint up sin and make it okay, right? You can't. You can't make sin pretty. Um, You can't logic your way around it. Um, When we treat peace with God lightly, um, like, it's a lie. Because um, forgiveness is dealt with, like when our own forgiveness is dealt with lightly or not taken seriously, it's a lie. Here's an ugly story. Um, many years ago, this is when I was a youth pastor, I, was, I borrowed a car from a guy and I went to, I was taking a group of kids out and it was snowing. There was a blizzard and they canceled school that day. And I'm driving some kids, my wife was with me and she'll know this story. I was driving some kids that we were going to go to the movies, you know, because they all had the day off school. And I, I'm driving this borrowed car, and I got hung up in a snowbank, and my rear end swung around as a person was passing me, and we had a collision, and the back end of the suburban like like decimated this other car. I mean, it was dented, you could drive it. They drove it home, but anyway, we get out of the car, and I said, you know what? I I tried to go around you. I got up into the snowbank. I swung around. This is my fault. And I said, but it's okay. My insurance will cover it. And so I gave him my insurance information. And I went home, and I called my insurance company to let them know. And they're like, oh, yeah, we don't cover other people's cars, Eric. We cover your car. Your friend's insurance is going to pay for it. And all of a sudden, I had this change of heart. And I thought, well, you know, it was snowing, so it was probably nobody's fault. People get in accidents in the snow all the time. See what I did there? That's that logicing around sin thing. Um, oh, well, I can lie about this because. And really, at the end of the day, I just didn't want to own it. And so I backed up, and, and I said, well, you know, this is nobody's fault, and, you know, whatever. I called my buddy. I said, well, it was a no-fault accident. These people got very upset. They We had a shouting match in the middle of the road, like where the accident happened. well, look, it's snowing. What do you want? And, you know, and I, I lied. I'll own it. I lied. Um, I forgot about it for years until the point in time where, like, God started drawing my heart right with him, And I I did fasting and I did praying and I tried to set my heart right. I did a lot of confessing and everything else. And one day I'm in the shower and I was praying and I said, God, if there is any sin I've committed that I need to make right, just bring it into my head. Like help me to know what I need to fix. And all of a sudden this stupid car wreck I hadn't thought about in years pops up and it's just there. And I was like, but God, that was years ago. I don't even know these people. How am I going to fix this? And you know what happened? It Didn't go away. And every time I would pray, this stupid car wreck would come up. And it would come up in conversation. And finally I said, all right, well, I guess i got to make it right because this is what i got to do. And I went into the neighborhood where the accident happened. I went door to door, knocking on doors, saying, I got into a car accident a few years ago with some folks. I lied about it to cover it up. I don't know who it was with. Do you know who? Let me tell you. <laughs> One of the more fun experiences of my life. And about... I don't know how many houses later. It's been a few years. It's a very blurry time in my life. But I I came to a door. The guy opens it and he's like, You're Eric Sitsema. And I was like, Yep. And I was like, I I was in an accident with you. Yes, you were. It's all right. Well, I, I lied about it. I was wrong. I'm here to make it right. Now, this is like five years later, and the guy remembered my name, having only one encounter with him. And the guy said, Oh, no, don't apologize to me. Come on inside gets his family together, puts the kids on the couch in front of me, (laughs) do it again. And so I did it again, and I'm, man, humbled. And I said, you know, I was wrong. I lied about it. He said, you know, we talk about you regularly. I wonder if you ever figured this out. And I said, well, what do I owe you to, you know, what what did it cost you to fix the car? And he's like, you know, it's weird. We couldn't afford to fix the car. And the insurance company, the other guy's insurance company said, well, it's no fault. And we called your insurance company again. And somehow we ended up on the phone with the same operator you had. And she was like, yeah, he seemed to want to tell the truth until I talked to him. And she's like, well, I'll tell you what. We have no obligation, but I'm going to send you a check and we're going to cover it. Have you ever heard of an insurance company covering damage for a car they weren't covering? And they're like, so it doesn't matter. It's already paid for. I actually walked out to my car, sat down, and I like thought about it. And I'm like, God covered this before I made it right, like before I owned it. God was watching out for me. Actually, I cried because I couldn't believe how far God would go on my behalf when I wasn't like ready to do right myself. Um, the reality is that when I was still God's enemy, Jesus died for me, right? Um, I took my own forgiveness lightly. I said, it's not a big deal, God. I don't need to make this right. I don't need to go make amends. I don't need to confess. I don't need to do any of this. I said sorry to you, and that's enough. And in reality, God had something so much better for me. Um, but I wanted to pretend I hadn't done anything wrong. I felt more peace after that conversation than I had in years. Isn't that weird? Um, because making myself right with God Becoming right with Jesus, being close to Jesus means more than anything. You will find more peace in that than you will in a harmonious marriage. It's, it's just the truth. You'll find more peace in being right with Jesus than you will in a full bank account or a warm fire to sit by at night or anything else in the world. Being right with Jesus is, golly, it's, it's the best thing you can have in life. Uh, Jeremiah, a prophet, was indicting the the leaders of Israel at the time. And he says, they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. And sometimes we treat sin that way, right? It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Put a Band-Aid on it. I know your arm's off put a band-aid on. Or in my case, I guess it was, you know, it's, it's just a flesh wound. It doesn't matter. I can sin this way and God's okay with it. And God's fixing it in the background. And I would have never known. That's the crazy thing. I would have never known if I hadn't gone and confessed. Isn't that crazy? But God had already lined it all up for me. And I found new peace and new understanding of his grace and his love and his provision. Um, it was the best time of my whole life, actually. Next to when I met my wife. Um, when we are selective... oh. Um, our, our flesh is lying to us, our, our spirit, our, our dead self, our, our sin is lying to us and tricking us into a false peace when we're selective in dealing with our sin. Like when we deal with some but not others. Um, the example of this would be, I have, um, stopped behaving badly in this area, but I'm gonna ignore this. Um, When I went through that period, one of the things, I had so many resentments. I had people I was angry at that I hadn't seen in years, people that I hated that I hadn't seen in years, Um, that I hadn't talked to in years, people who had treated me badly, and I used it as an excuse to gossip about them and hate them. And at the end of the day, what I had to do was, like after I did that, I went around and I found all these people who completely trashed me years before, and and I apologized to them for gossiping about them. And I could look at him and I could tell, man, a lot of these people are still bitter and mean and horrible, but I feel great. <laughs> because at the end of the day, the peace that's found in Christ, peace that's found in finding humility and making things right, like, is, is powerful. And man, you want to talk about sin that we brush over and paint up like it's nice? Resentment's the big one, right? How many of you guys drive past political signs in your neighbor's yard and grind your teeth at those people, and how can they think that way? I'm pretty sure Jesus is going to kill all of them. (laughs) Seriously, you can't. I mean, at the end of the day, Jesus died for those guys too, right? Um, Or you turn on the news and people from the bad guy country are doing bad things and you hate them. Jesus died for those guys. Um, I, uh, years ago, I met a kid. I don't even remember his name now. i got to look it up. I wrote it written down somewhere. But I met him. He had a big tattoo of a skull on his arm. It was really badly done. Um, and he'd been in jail for about six months because he's like 17 years old. He'd beaten another kid with a baseball bat. He was a gang member and a drug dealer this horrible Swearing, foul, nasty kid, and I remember he came into our locked unit, and I did Bible study with this group every day. And he'd come in and he'd throw a chair and cuss me out and stomp out. And every day that's what I dealt with with him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to deal with this kid forever? And after three or four months, he started to settle down and he started listening. And after three or four months, he started asking questions. And after another year, he bought a or he got his own Bible, and he started talking. And after another couple of months he got moved out of drug treatment, which is where I got to know him really well. And he got put in an independent living. And then all of a sudden he started going to church on his own and he started taking his mom to church. And then I baptized him right before he left, but he was horrible. Nobody should have grace on a guy who beat somebody with a baseball bat, right? That's bad. Jesus died for him. Like at the end of the day, we want to hand out grace to ourselves not always other people, like at the core of it, like we can hate people who are wicked or we can understand that Jesus will go to any length to make it right. Um, We can pour out our lives to the people around us, even when they are awful, which I ask you to do for me because I'm awful a lot. Um, So this is false peace. It is this, this sort of fake version where we put sin on the sidelines and we ignore it. What does real peace look like? What's the real thing? Um, John 10, 2-4. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he he has brought uh, brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice coming to know Jesus' voice and coming to know him and following him intimately is where peace comes from i love my kids um and it's been fun watching how they react to getting hurt or frustrated when my daughter would get angry or fall down and hurt herself she would jump up crying as like a one-year-old and she would run to dad right Because dad is the one who's going to take care of her. And she'd curl up in my lap and cry. And, oh, it's okay, honey. Right? Um, When Titus gets hurt, he goes to mom. Right? But he knows which parents he's looking for. Actually, uh, I'm going to pick on Shania. Is that all right? My daughter will be driving around. And we'll see somebody out with dark hair. And, like, sort of longer hair. And she'll say that's Miss Shania, I need to go say hi. (laughs) She comes to my class, she's my friend, I'll be like, nope, I know Shania, that ain't her. No, that's her, I need to go see her, I gotta go give her a hug, I gotta go over and over again. She is so nice, my daughter knows you. And I guess if she had run up to a stranger and given her a hug, and then looked up, whoa. (laughs) Um, Real peace is in, intimate connection relationship with Jesus. That's where it's found. And so you want to find that. You want to get there. That is it. Like We find it by knowing Jesus. Um, It is a byproduct of us being holy. Now watch this. And this is the tricky part. The closer we draw to God, the more our our flesh dies. Right? It's a little like uh, golly, I, I was reading about the Japanese nuclear meltdown. Uh, <laughs> I was going to try and say the city name. I can't. Um, but there was this meltdown in a nuclear plant in Japan with the earthquakes. You guys, some of you all probably remember that. Um, and there were people who went in and got near to the core of this meltdown. And you know what happened to them? They died. You know why? Because radiation is bad for you. Um, holiness drawing into God's presence is like drawing near radiation, Right? If you are not prepared and it is not aimed at the right part, if it's aimed at all of you, you are a goner. However, they use it for something really spectacular now. Treat cancer with it. They can point it at cancer and they can burn it up. Isn't that amazing? The same is true of us and holiness. We can become holy. We can be made clean. We can draw into God's presence and it can change us. Um, Isaiah 6, 1-8. to In the year King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two wings they covered their feet. And with two they were flying, and they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. By the way, this sounds really perplexing. You know why they covered their face? Because so they wouldn't see God's glory that close. You know why they covered their feet? Because it's the dirty part of them, they covered it up so God wouldn't be exposed to their dirtiness, right? And then they flew with the other, and they sang, "Holy, holy, holy." You say it three times; it is a big deal. Holiness is God's pre-like preeminent quality. God is holy above all else. Um, the whole earth is full of His glory. Um, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me! I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with, his tong- with tongs from the fire. And with it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips, and your guilt has been taken away, your sin atoned for then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom will I send? And I, and, and who will go for us? And I said to him, Here I am, send me, send me. Um, now watch this, watch this. This is a face to face encounter with God, right? And the first thing he says is, Oh my gosh, I am a sinful person. I should not be here right now, right? I remember when I was dating my wife, the first time we met her face to face, we met on the internet. I, I remember I, I drove all the way across the country, and we were supposed to meet and all this. And I remember getting out of the car when she got out of her car, and I knew exactly who she was. And suddenly I became very conscious that there was a stain on my shirt. It's weird. It didn't bother me until then. And then I realized that my zipper was down, and one of my shoes was untied. I'm exaggerating a little bit. But it is weird how until I was standing in front of one of the prettiest girls I ever met, and I really wanted to impress her that what I was wearing was not that good. And I realized, oh, I should have worn a tie. I should have dressed nicer. I should have done this. Oh, I should have lost 30 pounds before I came over here. I should have. And on and on and on and on. Because suddenly my imperfections became obvious to me when I was in the presence of perfection. Um, we stand before God, we look at him seriously, we take him seriously, we understand his holiness, we understand the price Christ paid for us, and all of a sudden our guilt becomes obvious. And we have two choices. We can pretend it's not, in which case we're like standing in front of a nuclear reactor and we're going to get eaten up, right? And God will break you if you pretend you're not, you know, that you're okay. And he does it occasionally, right? Sometimes he lets you just sin as much as you want until you break yourself. It's wonderful. Um... Or we can clean ourselves up. We can look inward and say, I need to be right. I need to make myself clean. I need to be holy. This is kind of the key to finding contentment and finding peace. It's digging in and cutting out these broken things. It's letting the spirit kill them and then make us holy in response. Like finding real peace between us and God is at the core of it, just being close to him. I remember when I when I quit drinking and I confessed all these people that I, you know, had gossiped about and I went and tried to pay for the car I wrecked and everything else. Uh, About a month into that whole process, I was walking along at work and I stopped and I thought, what feels so what what do I feel right now? I feel weird. And I. I. Like just looking in, I'm like, why do I feel this way? What is this? And it was weird because i never, and I stopped and I sat down. I think people thought I was nuts. This big rock by the side of the pathway I was walking on. I'm at work. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what on earth is this? And then I realized, I don't feel anxious. I don't feel afraid. Like for a long time I felt that way. You know when you're driving along and all of a sudden there's a cop behind you? Yeah. That feeling. <laughs> and you look and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> What's going to happen here? No offense Jeremy. Um. And at the end of the day, like, all of that went away. Because I felt that way all the time. And then it was gone. And I felt peace. Real peace comes when you got nothing to be afraid of. When it's you and Jesus and it is right. And you know that eternity is waiting for you. You know that every broken and wrong thing that's ever come along that beats you up. Like, he is setting it right. And he's already set it right. Even though you don't even know he has or how he has or what he has. It is all okay because Jesus has you. That is trustful surrender. It's hard, isn't it? But you see little kids do it all the time, right? I was at the movies with my daughter in Great Falls. We were that outside movie on the lawn at at the college. And a scary part came on. And she comes running up the hill. And she jumps in my lap and curls up with this blanket around her. And all of a sudden, she wasn't all that scared of the movie anymore. That's peace. It's peace when my daughter's in trouble and she curls up in my lap and I say, I love you. It is okay. I will never love you less than I do right now. That's peace. You want it. That's it. It's easy to get. Well, the directions are easy. Doing it's hard. But if you do it, do it right, not skipping the steps, not cheating your way around it, not lying to yourself. ever feel at peace. One of the cores of that, by the way, I'm going to cut out the last few slides here because I'm I'm kind of long. Um, one of the cores of that is worship. Right? If you can sing and talk to God and say, you know what, I'm in awe of who you are. If you can sit back and look at you know look at the beauty of the creation and be put in awe if you can stand under the stars at night and realize god hung every one of those balls of fire up in the air and he made me and he sent his son to die for me like that is a big deal if you can look at real holiness and understand the depth of it and like be filled with it and worship it like it will it will change you to the core. Um And sometimes even when it hurts, it'll feel good. Remember, last thing I'll say, and I'm driving along one day and I'm like, God, if there is something else that I'm doing, this is at the end of this time. If there's anything other area where I sin and where I'm regularly in in rebellion, help me to know. And I'm praying this very intently. And I look in my rearview mirror and blue and red lights. They pull me over and the guy comes up. He says, you're not wearing your seatbelt and you're driving 25 over the limit. And I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I speed a lot. I probably deserve a ticket. Can't believe I said that to a cop. And when he walked away, I was like, well, thank you, God. Thank you for helping me to know. Like, I drive like a maniac. And I don't anymore because I'm, anyway. (laughs) Um, My challenge to you this week is to look inward and ask, like, how am I lying? How am I tricking myself? How am I pretending I'm at peace when I'm not? What are the areas where there are big weeping sores that I've thrown Band-Aids on and pretend it's okay and clean them? Like One of the best ways to begin cleaning them is to confess to another person because confessing to God should terrify us, but it doesn't. Isn't that weird? Confessing to brothers and sisters is sometimes important because it helps us put it out there and clean it up. And it's hard, um, but it's powerful. Um, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us today. I pray that you help us to look to you over and over again and identify where our flesh is just killing us, Lord, where where our rebellion is, is dragging us away from you. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. And I just realized this communion,